from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're celebrating a milestone in the early days of astrophotography, the world's first clear, up-close look at the surface of the moon. The day was March 23, 1840. Amateur photographer John William Draper reported his success in taking detailed images of the moon. He made the announcement to the New York Lyceum of Natural History, or the Academy of Sciences, as it's known today. A focused image of the moon's surface would have been big news for members of that scientific society. It was a chance to finally see the craters, mountains, and valleys that they had previously only glimpsed in drawings. For centuries, astronomers were limited to sketching all the details they saw through their telescopes by hand. This provided a rough idea of what they were seeing, but it was hardly a perfect system. Looking back and forth between the telescope and the paper meant that important details were often left out along the way. Plus, if the astronomer wasn't a good artist, it was hard to tell what you were even looking at. The invention of photography proved there was a better way. Draper's images were captured using the daguerreotype method, which involved the use of light and chemicals to fix a photographic image onto a metal plate. The technique's namesake 
Louis Daguerre, had invented the process in France two years earlier. Right away, French astronomers started asking Daguerre to photograph the moon for them, and he happily obliged. It's widely believed that Daguerre took the very first photo of the moon on January 2, 1839, and then followed it up with several others. Unfortunately, he never managed to capture the moon in focus, and the shots he did get were destroyed in a fire just two months later. All of Daguerre's written records of the experiments, along with that historical first photo of the moon, and all the ones he took after, were lost. For the scientific community, it was one exciting step forward and two agonizing steps back. But good news would arrive just one year later, when a chemistry professor in New York named John Draper heard of the daguerreotype process and decided to try it for himself. Draper dabbled with photography in his spare time and was captivated by the chemistry of light-sensitive materials. When news of Daguerre's breakthrough process arrived in America, Draper quickly replicated the method in the fall of 1839 and then began experimenting with ways to further improve it. Over the next several months, Draper succeeded in making a faster, more efficient way to take pictures. The earliest of his surviving daguerreotypes is an image of his 33-year-old sister, Dorothy Catherine Draper. Soon after it was taken, Draper set his sights skyward and chose the surface of the moon as his next subject. In the winter of early 1840, Draper tried several times to take photos of the moon from the rooftop observatory of New York University, where he taught. But just like Daguerre a year earlier, Draper couldn't get a clear shot. They all came out underexposed or way too blurry. But then, in mid-March, Draper hit on a winning formula and got his timing just right. He confidently reported his findings to the New York Lyceum on March 23rd, revealing that he had obtained the first focused images of the moon. So while John Draper may not have been the first person to capture an image of the moon, by all accounts he was the first to get a shot of it in focus. Unfortunately, that original shot didn't survive to the modern day, with much of Draper's work lost to a fire, once again just like Daguerre before him. Draper's notes and report of his success to the Lyceum are the only surviving evidence of his breakthrough. That said, Draper does still hold the record for having taken the earliest surviving photo of the moon. It just wasn't the first one that he took. The photo in question is believed to have been made just three days after his historic announcement on March 23rd, and it shows the moon in the last quarter phase, with the left half of the lunar surface clearly illuminated. It's also believed to be the first photo of the moon to be publicly exhibited after being placed on display at the New York Lyceum on April 13, 1840. But people weren't as impressed as you might expect. According to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, quote, Despite his accomplishment, Draper's efforts received only modest recognition from his contemporaries. His son, Henry, however, was fascinated by his father's lunar portraits. In the decades to come, Henry would follow in his dad's footsteps, ultimately taking more than a thousand photos of the moon, as well as other heavenly bodies, including the sun, planets, comets, and stars. His work filled in so many missing details about the moon's surface that a lunar crater was later named in his honor. 
Draper's granddaughter, Antonia Mori, also carried on the family business. She became a respected astronomer in the early 20th century, which, given her gender, was no easy feat at the time. As for John Draper, he eventually got his due as well. Today, he's remembered as the father of astrophotography, the first to provide a detailed look at our planet's closest neighbor. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.